District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to CFACT.org. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome to District of Conservation. I'm your host, Gabriella Hoffman. This podcast offers a sober examination into all things hunting, fishing, shooting sports, energy, environment, and the public policy surrounding it. And this podcast also specializes in original interviews that you won't hear elsewhere. Here's what I have for you today. We have some great news to celebrate amidst all the bad news we often are getting from the White House and with regulatory fiat in some of the agencies, but the states are going to be a bulwark against anti-hunting efforts. I'm very certain of that, and Florida is a perfect case example of why I think that's the case. If you didn't know already, the Sunshine State does not have a right to hunt and fish amendment, but that could change very soon by November 2024. Now that some items in the Florida State Legislature have passed and have now gone on to prepare for a ballot initiative, and I brought three of the biggest champions of this effort, State Representative Lauren Mello, Travis Thompson, and Mike Elfenbein, to talk about how significant this is if Florida will become the 24th state to adopt this into their state constitution, why this is necessary, and what the future looks like and what it could do to boost Florida's conservation ethos. A very interesting conversation, lots of dynamics, and really think you guys will be encouraged by this conversation, this roundtable I have with the three aforementioned individuals. Please share this if you can and tell the states where this can happen to similarly consider legislation to protect the right to hunt and fish. It's extremely important. Threats are there. You see it in the efforts to remake wildlife agencies. You see it from top-down decisions coming from the Biden administration. The threats are there. They will even attack something as innocuous as fishing. That is why these state amendments are extremely pivotal. They're one tool in the toolbox, but they help act as a bulwark against attempts to undermine hunting and fishing, which are primary drivers, funding-wise and otherwise, of conservation in this country. So these three activists are wonderful, happy to highlight their story, really think you'll be optimistic about the future of conservation with people like this at the helms of it, and hopefully their actions inspire more states to get involved. If you haven't heard the news recently, Florida became the latest state to pass a right to hunt and fish amendment in its legislature. It now heads to the ballot. This is a monumental achievement, especially as other states have tried but failed either to pass their own versions or pass expansions. And Florida's is a really unique case. People don't think Florida needs to have this or Florida didn't have this. People were unaware that this was um, not evident in Florida, but I have three of the leading conservationists in Florida who have helped this cross the line. We have Representative Lauren Mello and also Travis Thompson and Mike Elfenbein to talk about why this is such an important milestone, what it means, and everything related to this amendment passing in the future of the outdoor heritage in the Sunshine State. So all of you, thank you so much for joining for a roundtable. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Gabby. Representative Mello, could you begin with why you had the impetus to sponsor this, introduce this, along with your colleague in the Senate who similarly introduced a companion bill to what is now the Florida Right to Hunt and Fish Amendment that now goes before the ballot? Are there any prevailing threats to hunting and fishing that 
you think a lot of people, your constituents or Floridians are missing. Did you do it preemptively to stop any future attacks to hunting? What was the impetus behind you pushing the bill? Thank you, Gabby. Uh, Yes, uh, I think we are seeing this movement of cancel culture that is taking over our nation. It's uh, in our schools, it's on social media, it's everywhere. And there... The movement, you know, is in Oregon, um, New Mexico. I think there's seven to nine states who already are looking at language to ban hunting and fishing and actually, actually criminalize hunting and fishing. Uh, we're seeing sitting U.S. congressmen that have been banned on Twitter for a harvest picture with their spouse. Um, and, and honestly, it's terrifying. I, I grew up uh, it, right in Southwest Florida. My parents were both avid sportsmen and my mom was, you know, a sportswoman. And uh, the threats are very real. Uh, people don't realize, you know, it's kind of like what, what we saw in our school systems uh, that no parents saw until the COVID pandemic hit and we all were at home with our children and seeing the things that they were being taught in school. And it's kind of like this creep that happens and takes over um, and catches us all off guard. And so when I was given the opportunity by international order of T Roosevelt, I immediately said yes and started looking for a Senate sponsor. Travis and Mike, why did you, and your respective groups jump on to support Representative Mello's bill? Uh, I think, Gabby, and I'll, I'll let Mike chime on when I'm done here, but like, I think everything Lauren just said is exactly right. But also in Florida, you and I have actually talked about this on your podcast before. We've kind of broken the North American model as far as the way funding works. So hunters and fishermen are not heavy carriers of the funding load for like our state wildlife agency anymore, which you see in a state like Tennessee, I think they fund about 80% of the state wildlife agency in Florida, hunting and fishing all in with whisper funds, your wildlife sport, fish restoration, federal dollars, license sales, et cetera, about 15% all in for our state wildlife agency. So I think if you were to go dig through Shane Mahoney's conversations on the North American model, you'd find him saying that the funding model is really what, keeps hunting and fishing relevant on the landscape in North America. And so when you take away the funding mechanism, which we've changed materially in Florida, we've changed it in, I would say, a positive way. We fund a lot through dock stamps, through gas taxes, through things like that. Having a constitutional right ensures that long-term we will be able to hunt and fish and pursue these recreational activities. So it's a, it's a huge deal for us on the ground and um, something that, that, you get into funding models, it gets a little bit more boring, but it's really, truly like, man, there's there's no other way forward without having this this as a constitutional right and trying to protect it forever. Mike? Yep. Um, thanks, Gabby. Thanks, Travis. Hard to follow you guys, but yes, with everything uh, Representative Mello said, and, and yes, everything Travis said, you know, um, hunting and fishing is, is an integral part of the structure of uh, of how we create ourselves. It gives us an opportunity to, especially in our youth, connect to the landscape and, and drive 
us to become conservationists. So in addition to that, you, you not only you help to keep society connected to its landscape, um, but as sportsmen, we contribute significant amounts to conservation. Um, in addition to what Travis touched on, um, and I, I think Travis, t- tell me if I'm wrong, but sportsmen have contributed 20% of the land to the Florida Wildlife Corridor. And for your listeners not in Florida, the Wildlife Corridor is essentially an initiative to keep large expanses of Florida's landscape connected for the benefit of the ecology, uh, the wildlife, and our ability to sustain ourselves here. So um, this legislation that Representative Mello and Senator Brodeur got across the finish line um, helps to perpetuate that um, be- beyond our children's children. I- I'm proud to be a part of it. Great, Grateful for the opportunity. Representative Mello, could you explain how the legislative process went? Because I'm looking at the numbers and amazingly, it got unanimous support in the House of Representatives and one holdout in the state Senate. What were you able to do along with your colleague in the Senate to get it across the line with almost unanimous support across the two chambers? Uh, Well, Gabby, to summarize, it was a lot of hard work. And I couldn't have done it without Travis and Mike, to be quite honest. Um, We have a bond and a friendship that uh, will last in perpetuity through this. It has just been incredible. It's it's been a roller coaster. Um, We, you know, met, believe it or not, quite a bit of opposition, Uh, opposition from from outside the Capitol that said this couldn't be done, it would never happen, to even inside the Capitol of why questioning um, the methods of of hunting and fishing, the preferred methods of hunting and fishing. And honestly, it's just been a labor of love. Um, I think that for me, I've, I've tapped into a lot of my personal experiences growing up and what it meant to me. Um, you know, I learned how to drive a first gen Bronco, uh, out in a field, uh, chasing, chasing quail around for my father, learning how to drive a a three speed on a column. And, and when you share your personal experiences, um, you know, with my colleagues, which wasn't easy for me because you have to be vulnerable to do that. Uh, but when you start explaining to them what it meant to you and the lessons that you learned uh, growing up, having those opportunities, I think honestly, it, it changed their opinion that this isn't about uh, carrying AK-47s on a beach and calling it fishing. It's certainly uh, yeah, a lot I, more. Tremon, yes. I was going to say, like, I can't believe how bipartisan this was. And I'm so thankful with how bipartisan this was with, with, you know, representative Mello and Senator Brodeur leading the charge. But I know that they reached out wholeheartedly to, to friends and colleagues across the aisle to try to recruit everyone to get on board with this. And um, so Luke Hilgeman from IOTR, obviously a big part of this team um, and, and, and really you know, a big part of the mastermind behind how this all played out. But he was digging in and he said there was only two bodies that have ever voted unanimously um, in one chamber. I think one was in Kansas and I forget where the other one was. 
So you're talking much smaller states, much smaller governing bodies, and they voted on their Senate sides, which are always smaller. So when you look at the makeup of Florida, the diversity of it, um, man, to go 154 to one, I think is a thing that like we should just be swinging from the rafters because I say all the time, conservation, hunting, fishing should not be partisan, although they often get politicized. Yep. This, I thought, was a really, really clear demonstration by our leaders in our state of, hey, we're not going to politicize this. We believe in this thing. It's an important thing. And without without Representative Mello, we don't we don't get that done. And I'm I'm so proud, not just that we passed it because there was a Republican supermajority in Florida in both chambers. So I believe it, everyone was thinking it's going to pass. Um, but the way that it passed is even better than the story that it passed. Mike, what are your thoughts on the whole legislative process? You were there at the bill's passage and uh, you went to the steps of the Capitol. How was that experience, all of this in totality? I'll tell you, um, that, great great question, Gabby. And, and I think um, Representative Mello and Travis know this about me is I'm, I'm not particularly fond of the legislative process. Um, it is cumbersome um, and it sucks the life out of you, just the entire process and the leadership that Representative Mello showed and the hard work from Travis and Luke uh, Hilgeman um, kind of reinstilled some faith in me that the legislative process, um, despite its flaws, it, it, I mean, as Travis said, 154 to one, I mean, and re it, it was Representative Mello's leadership in taking the time to sit down with all of um, her peers and, walking them through this and understanding how valuable hunting and fishing are to conservation, to our society, to our state. Um, the legislative process is, is overwhelming, um, but with good legislators, um, the, the good is still possible. And um, this process has definitely reinstilled that faith in me, no, no doubt. The battle over the fish and hunt amendment is not done. However, you all said that you're about 50% there. The next step is getting it on the ballot because it didn't need any more scrutiny. Didn't need a governor's signature. Now it goes to the ballot. What is kind of your game plan for getting it on the ballot? If you're at Liberty to share, what are you planning to do? Because you guys worked your tails off to get lawmakers, representative Mello, to get your colleagues and, and for you guys, for you both to get the grassroots support what is it going to take probably a more conservative concerted effort uh, going into the November 2024 election? I know different states have different processes, but it's a uphill climb. It's not um, impossible, I think, in Florida because of just the way that the state is oriented now. But is, it's probably going to require a lot of money, a lot of manpower, woman power and a lot of persuading. So so what does it look like for all of you going forward um, as as best as you can? Because representative, you can't legislate, you can't uh, lobby in your capacity. I think you have to probably as a private citizen, you could champion this um, separately, but um, not to get you in trouble because for, for electioneering. But um, how will each of you respectively be able to promote this um, as best as you can? Well, I think, uh, Gabby, it's, it's all about messaging. And I think it's going to be critical going forward uh, after Sine Die this week that we all just message and message and message. And we talk to everybody that we know, 
to get everybody understanding the importance of this. You know, back to your previous question, I I think that we all, most conservatives understand and want to enshrine the right to be able to hunt and fish in perpetuity with their their children, their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren. We all understand that value. But I think, and, and we understand the economic value to the state, but I think that we have to talk more about con- the conservation side. And I knew that this was going to pass with all my conservative colleagues. And I knew that I needed to figure out how to address the concerns of my colleagues across the aisle. And I think, honestly, that is what we need to be focused on going forward, is that we know that most R's are going to get out and vote for this on the, on the ballot. Uh, but what we need to work on is getting the independents and the Democrats to see the value that sportsmen and women contribute to conservation and the things that we do. And Travis and Mike were great with, with feeding me the data that to provide and to, to my members. Um, And that's basically what I talked about every time I presented this bill was, was not how much money it brings into our state. It was about how much we do for conservation and how much uh, the sportsmen and women are committed to conservation. And and I think that's going to be key in messaging and, um, you know, up to November of 2024. Gabby, I think um, I, Lauren said that really well. Like, I, I think it's important to like you, you, you tap danced around like electioneering, like we can't go start a campaign tomorrow. Like there's there's a lot of rules and laws and things way that has to work. But we can start educating right away on the necessity of this and and why it matters, whatever it's called, whatever it looks like, whatever number it gets on the ballot, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's kind of irrelevant at this time. It's a lot about laying groundwork and and educating. But I think strategy wise, if you want to get a little bit into the details, you know, Luke, Kevin, the guys from IOTR um, have already been laying the game plan. And I think if you look at the press conference picture, which got shared around a lot, um, I think we ended up with 16 or 17 groups at the Capitol um, from day one. Gab, people people you've had on the show, like like uh, Trevor Santos from NSSF and Cyrus Baird and um, uh, in Florida, like ASA and CCA Florida, like groups like that jumped on board right away. But over time, we we added a whole bunch of groups to like a coalition. So I think what will happen is IOTR will kind of lead the effort, but we'll see a coalition formed out or born out that will have a a really uh, succinct, smart campaign around um, this program. The other thing I think that's going to matter in messaging, and I'm going to go back to something Mike said a little while ago, is, you know, in Florida, we talk about the wildlife corridor constantly. Mike was spot on. 20% of the wildlife corridor was acquired with sportsman's dollars. Um, And the wildlife corridor is kind of a, a brilliant idea of a green infrastructure in our state. The governor champions it a lot. Huge bipartisan support when it passed this legislation in 21. Um, but it's interesting in the wildlife corridor, we talk often about ranchers and the ranching community and Gabs, you've been down here and interviewed Matt Pierce and, and done some work on the ranching community in Florida and Brad and Brad Ferris. It's, it's always fascinating to me. Like a rancher is raising an animal for food. 
They're raising an animal that ultimately is going to be delivered to a, a dinner plate. And we champion them in the conservation community all the time. And I obviously I champion them all the time. Sportsmen are doing the same thing. We want this land to be utilized. And ultimately what it's going to result in is an animal on a plate for food. And conservation is going to benefit from that process. It's almost the exact same thing. Now, obviously, there's private property and all this other stuff that goes into it. But I'm looking to see us normalize a little bit the conversation around sportsmen in the conservation conversation as this as this becomes a reality in 2024 because where we're going is a win for everyone sportsmen yes but also everyone that loves wild florida and the wild places that we recreate on elf uh yes yes and yes so one of the big questions that we always had and i think uh, representative Mello and travis would affirm this is that Everybody wants to know why. Why are we doing this? Why do we need this? What, what's the purpose? So I think um, moving forward to get this through the ballot portion of success, it's important that we continue to educate, inform, um, and continue to tap into the resources of our partner organizations like uh, the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation, uh, Delta Waterfowl, there's so many organizations, American Daughters for Conservation, that stepped up to the plate, that um, asked why, recognized recognized the value, and said, we want to help. And I think that as we move forward, the more we reach out, I, I look at every future hunting season as an opportunity, right? Duck season's coming up. It's going to be a great opportunity for duck hunters to share uh, with themselves the need for supporting this between now and, and next election cycle. So... I think we need to build on that in order to achieve success on the ballot next year. Most important. Hey, hey, Gabby, too, I wanted to mention, I think you've talked to those guys before. Uh, I would be remiss if we did not mention Howl.org because they're not like a they're not like an org that has a chapter in Florida. But this doesn't get where it is without them as part of our team. Like they were tremendous as an asset for us. Mike, you'd agree with that, right? Yes, they're. Um their abilities and capabilities to reach out and connect constituents with their legislators is it's second to none and um, was extremely valuable. And that's one of the other things I think is important is um, that came of all of this is that we've, it's almost like we've um, woken a sleeping beast. Um, sportsmen seem to be coming out of the woodwork to try to get this to come through. And um, in doing so, they're they're recognizing the threats that Representative Mello touched on to, to, to start with is that um, there are people actively organizing against fishing and hunting in this country. And those of us who are fishing and hunting don't necessarily recognize that all the time. So um, I think I think that's a, that's a benefit to what we're doing. And, and hopefully we can continue to grow that uh, attention to this in our communities. Anything else the three of you would like to add as we conclude our discussion, which has been very informative. I think people are now seeing why these amendments do get passed in their legislatures and ultimately to the ballot. Like you said, people are so consumed with wanting just to do their lifestyle, do their hunting and fishing, not concerned about the politics, but then you have to become concerned about the politics when you see it slowly chipped away as we're seeing um, not only at the state level, uh, sometimes uh, with different states attacking these activities, but you even see it coming from the federal level as well, even overtly, not as overtly, more subtly um, than you would see like some of these states like Washington, California, New Mexico are doing. 
but anything else the three of you would like to add? If, if I can just jump in here, Gabby, uh, I think that, you know, Mike and Travis and I were blessed to watch some very, um, key people from that, that were at the event for international order of T Roosevelt. And, um, uh, unfortunately, the way that the ballot, to, in order for us to get to the ballot, there's going to be a lot of money that's going to be spent. So if there's a way that we could reach out and, and have some grassroots, I, I don't know how we would actually accomplish this. But if all of us you know, were to contribute what we spend on a fishing and hunting license, um, to help pay for this ballot initiative that is going to cost millions of dollars to get this over the finish line. I think that would be amazing in itself. Um, there were some very generous people uh, at the event that were spending money to go towards this ballot initiative. And, you know, we were just in shock uh, of their commitment and dedication. And it takes an army. And I think if there was anything that I could say is I would love for us to, as as a state, and, you know, just raise grassroots money that would also go into this initiative to get this passed on the ballot. Gabby, I think... That was really good, Lauren. I like I, I love when you think in terms like that because I often think of people have three things they can give, right? Their time, their talent, or their treasures. And some of us don't have a ton of money, but we got a lot of time we can spend on it, or we have a tremendous talent we can we can use on it. So I think that's really important. Like if, if we think of it, I often say, you know, you take a three weeks off to go duck hunting this season. Why can't you take a day off to go to a commission meeting or to show up at the Capitol and advocate? So I think that's a really good way to look at it. Like if you were spending the cost of a of a license. But Gabby, in closing, I want to say something um, about these two folks on the call. And that is, Mike called me in January and he said, listen, um, how would you feel about a right to hunt and fish amendment? And I said, man, everyone I've ever talked to, like we've, Mike and I have run into a wall over this for 10 years. Like every time we've had a conversation with a lobbyist, every time we've had a conversation with a legislator around it, we just can't get anywhere. And he said, no, I think I think Lauren Mello is going to get this done. Like, let's have some conversations with her. Let's talk to her. Let's talk to the IOTR folks. Let's let's figure out if we can get this done. And I love the term a champion. Like I've often said, you know, we need a champion for sportsmen in Florida. We need a champion for hunters in Florida. We need a champion um, for consumptive use. And in the last I mean, she, she's been doing this kind of stuff in the legislature for a couple of years now, but. In the last 90 days, I think Lauren has really emerged as a champion. And, and she's a she's not she's shaking her head. No, I'm, I'll guarantee you. I can't see her. But she's a team player. She's all in for the team and she wants the state to be better and she wants to leave a legacy of good. But I'm so thankful for Mike and her willing to take this on because, you know, we could have just had 10 more years of running into a wall. And there's there's a time for this stuff to happen. Like you get moments and that's why they call it a moment. Like it, it's it's not a long period of time where you can where you can make something like this happens. And what happened in the last 60, 90 days is pretty special. And hopefully what happens in the next 18 months is even more special. And it'll it'll be there forever for, you know, as Roosevelt said, generations in the womb of time. 
um, that we won't know that'll be able to to sit under the shade of this tree. So, Elf, I'll let you have the last word. <laughs> I'd echo that, and um, I appreciate all the kind words from both of you, but you know, there was a handful of people that worked on this uh, 25 hours a day, eight days a week. Um, there's another gentleman, Chris Coker, and um, Luke Hilgeman, um, and Kevin Corgan, who uh, worked extremely hard also. But Travis Thompson, by far, carried carried the most buckets of water uh, the furthest distance on the steepest incline. And uh, <laughs> Lauren, Lauren Mello has reinstilled faith in me um, that our legislative process and system it still still has a, an ounce of integrity. Um, she's an incredible human being. She is, as Travis said, a champion for sportsmen and conservation. Um, and I cannot wait to see what else she does in the conservation world in her future uh, in office. Um, she's only just begun. I, it was an honor to, to participate in this and, um, Let's let's go. Let's go uh, save Florida. Very prescient words. And I hope all three of you will continue to update my listeners. I know we'll probably revisit again, maybe closer to November 2024, which seems like miles away, but it'll come sooner than later. Because if there's a way that um, when the campaign officially becomes official, I would love my listeners to have the link. If they live there, they don't live in Florida, want to support whenever that becomes public. I would love you guys to update and we could revisit and discuss this even more and how people can support the efforts because it is really pivotal. Only 23 states right now have right to hunt fish amendments. There's no federal equivalent that would protect us. There are laws against hunter harassment and fishing harassment. Sometimes those are not properly enforced, but a constitutional amendment can offer some added protections in the event that, you know, someone were to remake your state wildlife agency or, bad actors are going to try to divorce hunters and anglers. And we see an effort, a, a group you all will have to look out for is wildlife for all, which is a New Mexico based group that is trying to remake agency. So I, I worry they would oppose your efforts. You may see some very strange people that have nothing to do with hunting and fishing. I remember seeing teachers unions oppose the North Carolina ballot initiative, like just complete random, random groups. So you may have to uh, be prepared uh, to fire back rhetorically with all cylinders against groups that may misinform about the ballot. So if we can be a resource here at my podcast, please let me know. And then thank you all three of you for taking time and, and for doing this and, and showing the rest of the country for the states that haven't yet adopted the importance of doing so. Thank you, Gabby. Yes. Thank you, Gabby, very much thank for having you, us all. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Make sure you're connected to us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And also on your preferred player, we recommend Apple Podcasts, where you can leave us reviews if you really like the content. Share the podcast with friends who may be interested in learning more about what's trending in conservation and the related industries that entangle with it and sometimes work against it as well. Thanks for listening to the show and stay tuned for the next episode.